Chapter One of Indian Boyhood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carol Pelster. Indian Boyhood by Charles Eastman. Part One Earliest Recollections. Chapter One Hadeka The Pitiful Last what boy would not be an indian for a while when he thinks of the freest life in the world this life was mine every day there was a real hunt there was real game occasionally there was a medicine dance away off in the woods where no one could disturb us in which the boys impersonated their elders brave bull standing elk high hawk medicine bear and the rest they painted and imitated their fathers and grandfathers to the minutest detail and accurately too because they had seen the real thing all their lives we were not only good mimics but we were close students of nature we studied the habits of animals just as you study your books we watched the men of our people and represented them in our play then learned to emulate them in our lives no people have a better use of their five senses than the children of the wilderness we could smell as well as hear and see we could feel and taste as well as we could see and hear nowhere has the memory been more fully developed than in the wild life and i can still see wherein i owe much to my early training of course i myself do not remember when i first saw the day but my brothers have often recalled the event with much mirth for it was a custom of the sioux that when a boy was born his brother must plunge into the water or roll in the snow naked if it was winter time and if he was not big enough to do either of these himself water was thrown on him if the newborn had a sister she must be immersed the idea was that a warrior had come to camp and the other children must display some act of hardihood i was so unfortunate as to be the youngest of five children who soon after i was born were left motherless i had to bear the humiliating name hakeda meaning the pitiful last until i should earn a more dignified and appropriate name i was regarded as little more than a plaything by the rest of the children my mother who was known as the handsomest woman of all the spirit lake and leaf dweller sioux was dangerously ill and one of the medicine men who attended her said another medicine man has come into existence but the mother must die therefore let him bear the name mysterious medicine but one of the bystanders hastily interfered saying that an uncle of the child already bore that name so for the time i was only hakeda my beautiful mother sometimes called the demi-goddess of the sioux who tradition says had every feature of a caucasian descent with the exception of her luxuriant black hair and deep black eyes held me tightly to her bosom upon her deathbed while she whispered a few words to her mother-in-law she said i give you this boy for your own i cannot trust my own mother with him she will neglect him and he will surely die 
the woman to whom these words were spoken was below the average in stature remarkably active for her age she was then fully sixty and possessed of as much goodness as intelligence my mother's judgment concerning her own mother was well founded for soon after her death that old lady appeared and declared that hakeda was too young to live without a mother she offered to keep me until i died and then she would put me in my mother's grave of course my other grandmother denounced the suggestion as a very wicked one and refused to give me up the babe was done up as usual in a movable cradle made from an oak board two and a half feet long and one and a half feet wide on one side of it was nailed with brass-headed tacks the richly embroidered sack which was open in front and laced up and down with buckskin strings over the arms of the infant was a wooden bow the ends of which were firmly attached to the board so that if the cradle should fall the child's head and face would be protected on this bow were hung curious playthings strings of artistically carved bones and hoofs of deer which rattled when the little hands moved them in this upright cradle i lived played and slept the greater part of the time during the first few months of my life whether i was made to lean against a lodge pole or was suspended from a bough of a tree while my grandmother cut wood or whether i was carried on her back or conveniently balanced by another child in a similar cradle hung on the opposite side of a pony i was still in my oaken bed this grandmother who had already lived through sixty years of hardships was a wonder to the young maidens of the tribe she showed no less enthusiasm over hakeda than she had done when she held her first-born the boy's father in her arms every little attention that is due to a loved child she performed with much skill and devotion she made all my scanty garments and my tiny moccasins with a great deal of taste it was said by all that i could not have had more attention had my mother been living unchida grandmother was a great singer sometimes when hakeda wakened too early in the morning she would sing to him something like the following lullaby sleep sleep my child the chippewas are far away are far away sleep sleep my boy prepare to meet the foe by day the foe by day the cowards will not dare to fight till morning light till morning light sleep sleep my boy while still tis night while still tis night then bravely wake then bravely wake the dakota women were wont to cut and bring their fuel from the woods and in fact to perform most of the drudgery of the camp this of necessity fell to their lot because the men must follow the game during the day very often my grandmother carried me with her on these excursions and while she worked it was her habit to suspend me from a wild grapevine or a springy bough so that the least breeze would swing the cradle to and fro 
she has told me that when i had grown old enough to take notice i was apparently capable of holding extended conversations in an unknown dialect with birds and red squirrels once i fell asleep in my cradle suspended five or six feet from the ground while uncheedah was some distance away gathering birch bark for a canoe a squirrel had found it convenient to come upon the bow of my cradle and nibble his hickory nut until he awoke me by dropping the crumbs of his meal my disapproval of his intrusion was so decided that he had to take a sudden and quick flight to another bough and from there he began to pour out his wrath upon me while i continued my objections to his presence so audibly that uncheedah soon came to my rescue and compelled the bold intruder to go away it was a common thing for birds to alight on my cradle in the woods my food was at first a troublesome question for my kind foster-mother she cooked some wild rice and strained it and mixed it with broth made from choice venison she also pounded dried venison almost to a flour and kept it in water till the nourishing juices were extracted then mixed with it some pounded maize which was browned before pounding this soup of wild rice pounded venison and maize was my mainstay but soon my teeth came much earlier than the white children usually cut theirs and then my good nurse gave me a little more varied food and i did all my own grinding after i left my cradle i almost walked away from it she told me she then began calling my attention to natural objects whenever i heard the song of a bird she would tell me what bird it came from something after this fashion Hakeda, listen to shichoka the robin calling his mate he says he has found something good to eat or listen to upihanska the thrush he is singing for his little wife he will sing his best when in the evening the whippoorwill started his song with vim no further than a stone's throw from our tent in the woods she would say to me hush it may be an ojibwe scout again when i waked at midnight she would say do not cry hinekaga the owl is watching you from the treetop i usually covered up my head for i had perfect faith in my grandmother's admonitions and she had given me a dreadful idea of this bird it was one of her legends that a little boy was once standing just outside of the teepee tent crying vigorously for his mother when hinekaga swooped down in the darkness and carried the poor little fellow up into the trees it was well known that the hoot of the owl was commonly imitated by indian scouts when on the war-path there had been dreadful massacres immediately following this call therefore it was deemed wise to impress the sound early upon the mind of the child indian children were trained so that they hardly ever cried much in the night this was very expedient and necessary in their exposed life in my infancy it was my grandmother's custom to put me to sleep as she said with the birds and to waken me with them until it became a habit she did this with an object in view an indian must always rise early in the first place as a hunter he finds his game best at daybreak 
secondly other tribes when on the war-path usually make their attack very early in the morning even when our people are moving about leisurely we like to rise before daybreak in order to travel when the air is cool and unobserved perchance by our enemies as a little child it was instilled into me to be silent and reticent this was one of the most important traits to form in the character of the indian as a hunter and warrior it was considered absolutely necessary to him and was thought to lay the foundations of patience and self-control there are times when boisterous mirth is indulged in by our people but the rule is gravity and decorum after all my babyhood was full of interest and the beginnings of life's realities the spirit of daring was already whispered into my ears the value of the eagle feather as worn by the warrior had caught my eye one day when i was left alone at scarcely two years of age i took my uncle's war-bonnet and plucked out all its eagle feathers to decorate my dog and myself so soon the life that was about me had made its impress and already i desired intensely to comply with all of its demands End of chapter one